Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Philosophy Talk comes to you from Philosophy Corner at Stanford University, where Ken chairs the philosophy department, and I work for him. Uh, Philosophy Corner, we're at the studios of KALW, Information Radio in San Francisco. What's this about Philosophy Corner? Well, we are at KALW, and we're really happy to be there. But we're going to try to create a little virtual Philosophy Corner here at KALW, where people hang out and talk to each other in a philosophical way about everything under the sun. So what's our uh, topic for the day, John? Our topic for today is the doctrine, or perhaps Bush's doctrine, of preemptive self-defense. Oh, preemptive self-defense. Whatever that is. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a little quiz. I'm going to see if you can help me figure that out. First thing, there are wars of aggression. What's a war of aggression? A war of aggression. Okay, we're out on the streets of Dodge City, and you're the bad guy, and you are shooting at me. That's a war of aggression. I haven't done anything to you. What's a uh, purely defensive war? Uh, you're shooting at me, and I shoot back at you. That's that's self-defense. I see you go for your gun, and I go for mine and shoot you. Right. Aggression is always bad, right? And, uh, and self-defense so. is always good. Well, I don't know if it's always good, but it's okay, I guess. Yeah. What about preventive wars? There's also something called a preventive war. Okay. I, I'm on the streets of Dodge City, and I hear that you're coming in to shoot me, so I drive out to your ranch before... You wake up and shoot you. And maybe while I'm at it, I shoot your family because it looks like they're all going to grow up to be mean, too. Boy, that's that sounds really bad. What about uh, wars of humanitarian intervention? That's a big thing these days in the 21st century. Okay, that's like Shane. I'm, I'm passing through town. I could go on. You're not bothering me at all, but I notice that you're really mean to the farmers. So no. I shoot you. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're a good guy. You yeah. shoot me on somebody else's behalf. Right. And then there's our topic for the day, wars of preemptive self-defense. Now, I take it that means that we're on the streets, and instead of, like Matt Dillon, instead of waiting for you to go for your gun, as soon as I know, as soon as I'm certain that attack is imminent, I see by the glint in your eye that as soon as you're done wiping your nose, you're going to try to shoot me. I just shoot you. Wow. Kind of kind of the way uh, uh, Harrison Ford did in... in uh, in the movie with the guy with the swords, and yeah, he didn't wait to be attacked. He just plugged him. Right, right. Self-defense seems like, uh, I mean, that seems good, but it's kind of, a, a, you know, a patsy's game, right? Wait till the other guy attack, and, and it's time to, you know, you think you should attack before you get done in. Well, but is, you know, you said when you're certain. How long does it take to be certain? How how certain do you have to be? How soon am I about to attack you? That's a, that's That's the kind of questions we're going to have to deal with, don't you think? Well, is it an epistemological issue? It's okay to preemptively attack if you're sure? Or is it some kind of ethical thing? That, well, right. You know, it has to be within a minute of when the attack was going to occur. Uh, well, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we, our own Amy Standen uh, has, uh, has a piece about that. Uh, she'll, we'll hear from her in a few seconds. But we want uh, you to join our discussion. You tell us, how imminent does the likely attack have to be? How certain would, should the would-be uh, defender be of the upcoming attack? Join us at uh, 415-841-4134. Our own Amy Standen files this report looking into the background of the Bush doctrine of preemptive self-defense. If we wait for threats to fully materialize, we will have waited too long. We must take the battle to the enemy, disrupt his plans, and confront the worst threats before they emerge. That's President Bush at West Point in June 2002, making the case for a new foreign security policy based on preemptive self-defense. In other words, hitting the enemy before the enemy hits you. 
With the election coming up, you can count on hearing a lot more about preemptive self-defense. A GOP campaign ad which began airing in Iowa in November tells us that a vote for Bush is a vote for preemption. Call Congress now, the ad urges. Tell them to support the president's policy of preemptive self-defense. Much has been made about the link between preemptive self-defense and a philosopher named Leo Strauss, who taught Paul Wolfowitz and other Bush advisors at the University of Chicago in the 60s. Strauss was a German émigré who narrowly escaped the Holocaust by fleeing to France and then the United States in the late 30s, and whose writings, the theory goes, described a world in which liberal democracies must actively defend themselves from tyranny. It's a theory that Charles Butterworth, a professor of political philosophy at the University of Maryland, is quick to debunk. Well, I, I, I don't think that there's anything that Strauss said that has any, any bearing at all on current foreign policy. What, what has happened is that a number of people who are exceedingly bright, Wolfowitz being one, Abraham Shulsky being another, Richard Pearl, but a, a, number, a number of people have come through the University of Chicago or have come through another student of Strauss, who's even more important for these kinds of issues, Alan Bloom, and now find themselves in positions of power. But there's, there's nothing nefarious. There's no single line of thought. These are uh, exceedingly intelligent people who have find themselves wielding power in the United States today. Listening to President Bush on the eve of the attack on Iraq, you can hear the echoes of a philosophy of good and evil, where preemptive strikes are a matter of life and death. We are now acting because the risks of inaction would be far greater. In one year or five years, the power of Iraq to inflict harm on all free nations would be multiplied many times over. Terrorists and terror states do not reveal these threats with fair notice in formal declarations. And responding to such enemies only after they have struck first is not self-defense, it is suicide. One report by Congress from December 2002 found that you've got to go all the way back to the Spanish-American War to find a precedent for American preemptive strikes. Of course, taken broadly, preemption can mean almost anything. Regime change in Guatemala, Chile, Iran. You could even argue that the entire Vietnam War was a preemptive strike against a perceived communist threat. The devil, it seems, is in the details. How much evidence does a country need to wage a preemptive strike, and to whom must it make its case? President Bush gave Iraq one to five years to pose a threat. What about six years? Fifteen? Pretty soon you're rewriting the screenplay for Minority Report. Could you justify killing Hitler's mother, his grandmother? How imminent must the threat be? Happily leaving those questions to the professionals, this is Amy Standen for Philosophy Talk. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.